0: Super Bowl Sunday. Who's excited about Super Bowl today? Just your dad. All right. <laughs> hey, Nate. Yeah. Nobody's excited. Okay, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Who's excited about Puppy Bowl today? Woo! <laughs> All right. I see. How many are excited about the commercials? Maybe that's what you're waiting for. Not the, Katy Perry? Come on, people. What, what are you waiting for? Goodness. How many are rooting for the Patriots? Any Patriots, people rooting for the Patriots? Okay, a couple people. All right. How many are rooting for the Seahawks? Seahawks. Okay, a couple. How many are only rooting for the Seahawks because of the whole deflate gate thing? Yeah, all right. I, I see how it is. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it in the news this week about the uh, mountain climbers. Did you, did you see the, the story about the, the four mountain climbers? They were going up Mount Everest this week. One was a Seahawks fan, one was a Patriots fan. There was a Redskins fan and an Eagles fan. Absolutely true story. <clears throat> did I just lie in church? <laughs> they, they're, they're going up the mountain and they're arguing about who is the biggest fan of their team. And when they get to the very top, the Patriots fan says, this is for the New England Patriots. And he throws himself off the edge. I mean, he sacrifices himself. That, that's how he's showing that he's the biggest fan that there is. Not to be outdone, the Seahawks fan says, this is... It's for the Seattle Seahawks. And he throws himself over the edge. The Redskins fan says, this is for the Washington Redskins. And he puts the Eagles fan over the edge. <laughs> I and mean, sometimes sacrifices just have to be made, right? Now, Steelers fans, don't think that I wasn't tempted to make you the punchline of that particular joke. But I knew better because I've gotten booed in the past when I've done that. So you know, I, I didn't want to do that. But uh, hey, in, in all truthfulness, I mean, this jersey that I'm wearing today is about as close as the Redskins are going to get to the Super Bowl here today. So uh, anyway, you know, when it, when it comes to this whole thing of sacrifice, we're laughing about it. You know, I just told a joke about it, but it's actually no laughing matter, is it? I mean, if you you think about it, we do anything possible to avoid sacrifice, don't we? We go out of our way to get... Away from sacrifice. But yet, this is exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches. You know, the the Bible teaches that sacrifice should be our lifestyle, it's who we should be. That, That sacrifice isn't something that you try to avoid, it's not something that just occasionally happens to you. It's to be a way of life. And so, that's what I want to talk to you about today as we wrap up our series called New Year's Revolution. We're February 1st now here today, so we're a whole month into the year. And all of your resolutions that you had, more than likely you've broken. And so that's why we said, you know what, instead of having resolutions this year, let's have a revolution. And I've been giving you each week a, a key word to focus on here in 2015. That if you'll live this word out, then it's going to revolutionize your life. Not just for 2015, but 2015 and beyond. So the final word we're going to look at here is the word Sacrifice. So, if you have a Bible, you want to follow along this morning, as we've been doing throughout the series. We're in the book of Philippians. That's in the New Testament there, and we're going to actually be in chapter one today. So, Philippians chapter one. As I've been telling you throughout the series, this is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was the first church that he had started in Europe, and Paul he was supported by the the Philippians, but now he finds himself in jail. He, he's writing this. This letter from a prison cell. I mean, it's already sort of hinting at sacrifice that's involved in spreading the gospel. So in Philippians one one, Paul writes this: This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Now notice that Paul doesn't just call himself Paul, but he says, "I'm Paul, a what? A slave. I'm Paul, a slave." Of christ jesus again he he's right away getting to the point of that this christian life is a life of sacrifice that there's things that we have to give up and that's what paul did he voluntarily sacrificed his own rights in order to be a follower of jesus to be a slave of jesus now, here's the deal. In our country, and rightfully so, when we hear the word slavery, we, we connect it back into the 1800s and, and the horrific things that happened then. And you see, anytime you have a, a master that's abusing or beating his slaves, anytime you have a, a master that is holding men or women against their free will, that's wrong. That, that's just not right. And while the Bible does have some examples of things like that, Many times when the Bible is referring to slavery, it was actually a volunteer uh, type of thing. That, yes, you had this master, but after a period of years, you had the the right to say, you know what, I'm going to leave and go do my own thing, or I'm going to stay. And you know what happened most of the time? Most of the slaves said, it's actually better for me under the master's control. And so I'm going to stay here. I I want to be a slave to this person because they're going to treat me better than I could even do out on my own and see that's really what the story of Christianity is all about that Jesus came and he died to set us free from our sins and he wants us to give our control of our lives to him we have free will we we can walk away but that has eternal consequences he says look if you'll give your life to me I'll treat you better than you could ever treat yourself. And so that's sacrifice, that you're giving up your life. But we do that in response that he gave up his life. And so what I want to do today is talk to you about what is sacrifice? What would that look like in your life? What's it all about? And how do we sort of apply it to our life? And how is it going to impact our life? So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I want to say is this, that sacrifice is a partnership sacrifice is a partnership look at what paul says to the philippians chapter one verses three to five every time i think of you i give thanks to my god whenever i pray i make my request for all of you with joy for you have been my what you've been my partners in spreading the good news about christ from the time that you first heard until now now, last week we talked about how the Philippians had sacrificed financially in order to, to fund this third missionary trip for Paul. In fact, not only did they sacrifice once, but they actually did it again. And keep in mind, we talked about this last week, that Paul's third missionary trip, five and a half years long. So these people greatly sacrificed financially in order to fund the gospel ministry. But here's the deal. While the Philippians had sacrificially given of their finances. Paul was sacrificing on the mission field in a, a much different way. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 28. He's talking about his, his time on the mission field. He says, five times on my, my own people gave me 39 lashes with a whip. Three times the Romans beat me with a big stick, and once my enemies stoned me. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've even had to spend a night and a day in the sea. During my many travels, I have been in danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, and foreigners. My life has been in danger in cities and deserts, at sea, and with people who only pretended to be the Lord's followers. I have worked and struggled and spent many sleepless nights. I've gone hungry and thirsty and often have had nothing to eat. I've been cold from not having enough clothes to keep me warm. And besides everything else, each day, I'm burdened down worrying about all the churches. Now let me ask you a question. Out of the Philippians sacrificing financially, and Paul basically sacrificing his life, which one sounds harder to you? Which one sounds greater? The financial end, or everything that Paul went through? Which one's the greater one? Philippians or Paul? Definitely Paul, somebody said. Definitely Paul. But yet what Paul talks about here in Philippians is in the first couple of verses that we looked at there in chapter 1, is he says, look, whether you gave financially or you're giving your life out on the mission field, we are partners in this together. That your sacrifice is just as great as what my sacrifice has been. And what that means for us is that we can learn from this. That the Philippians, they were sacrificing their paycheck They were saying, look, we're going to give so that the gospel can continue. We're not just even going to give so that we can keep the lights on in our building. We're not even just giving so that we can reach people in Philippi. No, we're giving so that the gospel can go all around the world. And that's a great lesson for us as a church. Church isn't about just coming together and and keeping the lights on and being able to do some cool things in a building for an hour on Sundays. No, why do we give financially? We give, yes, so that we can do these things, but we give for a much greater purpose, a much greater cause. We give so that we can reach the people of Harrisburg. We give so that we can reach the people of Dauphin County. We give so that we can reach the people of the world. Make a difference with this one and only life that we've been given. That's why we sacrifice. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Again, they gave sacrificially. And they gave enough to fund five and a half years worth of ministry. And so in Philippians 4, verses 18 to 19, Paul says, At the moment I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me from a or with a paproditus. They are a sweet-smelling what? What does he say their gift is? It's a sacrifice. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. Notice again, that he recognizes that he couldn't do what he was doing had they not given to the kingdom. That's why we we partner together. We partner together with Jesus. We partner together with one another as a church. Why? To keep the gospel going. I know through the years some people have said, man, I, I wish I could get up and preach, or I wish I had the ability to get up and teach, or man, I really wish I could like, go on a missions trip or, or something and, and do great and mighty things. And I hope that at some point maybe you get to do that. But you know what? Not everybody's gifted or has a call to do that. You know what? The, the best thing that some of you could do is go out into the secular business world, do your very best for God, And make insane amounts of money. Why? Not for yourself. Not for your glory. No, make insane amounts of money so that you can fund the kingdom work. I hope you become filthy rich. I hope you become a millionaire. But not so you can have a big house and a fancy car. No, so that you can give hundreds of thousands, if not even millions of dollars, to make sure that every single man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this planet has the opportunity to know about Jesus. Some of you you have a lot of free time. You know what you need to do? You need to you need to sacrifice your time. Why? Because there's work that needs to be done in the kingdom. Some of you have incredible gifts and talents, but you use them all for your glory and for your own personal benefit. You need to sacrifice yourself and say, "You know what? No, 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 it's not about me. It's all about Jesus, and I'm going to start using these gifts. I'm going to use these talents." To make sure that the people of Harrisburg know about Jesus. To know that the people of the world can know about Jesus. All of us are called to to sacrifice in in some way. And here's the deal. With your time, with your talent and everything. None of us are exempted from any of that. All of us are called to give of our time. All of us are called to to give of our talents. And yes, we're all called to give financially. But as we talked about last week, giving financially is... That's the, that's the hardest one to accept. Some people say that you know the, the wallet, it's the last thing that comes into the church and it's the first thing that leaves. You know, it, it, there's something about money. People just, you know, talk to me about anything in the Bible, but don't talk to me about money. As I said to you last week, Jesus knew that money was going to be the number one competitor he would have for your heart and for your devotion. And so that's why he talks about it more than he talks about any other subject. He knew that this was so, so important. And he knew that it was going to be a sacrifice for us. See, we're not just asked to give. We're actually commanded to give, to fund his work and to fund the kingdom, fund the church. Again, it's so hard because as Americans... We lean way more towards self-indulgence than we do self-sacrifice. We lean way more towards our personal convenience than we do to the commands of God. So I want to talk to you about it one more time, about why money and possessions are so important. As we said last week, you know, God realized it was going to be so hard that he said, look, you can test me in this. He said, test me, start tithing. Give that 10% and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and start pouring out so much blessing on you, you won't even have room enough to contain it all. Test me, he says. Test me. Man, it's incredible because when you test him, when you honor him with the tithe, he'll take better care of you than you'll take care of yourself. You'll have more with 90% of your income than if you kept all 100% for yourself. Here's what Exodus 23, 19 says. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best and the what? Bring the best and the the first into the place of worship. So what's that saying? When You get your paycheck, the very best part, the very first part of your paycheck, that first 10% belongs to God. And where do you bring it? To the place of worship. Where do you worship at? Exponential. Now, as I've said before, I don't care about it coming here. I just want you to be obedient to God's word. So if you need to give your tie check somewhere else, then then do it. Because it's not about us. Again, it's all about the kingdom. Bring the very best and the first part to him. Notice he doesn't say, all right, Go out and spend it on your mortgage and your car payment and clothes and your groceries and your cell phone bill and everything else. And then if you happen to have any leftovers, put a couple bucks in the offering bucket as it comes by. No, he says, give the best and the first to me. Sacrifice. Bring the tithe. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what? First and the vast part of all of your income then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine this is what we were talking about last week and that you can't outgive god now this isn't a get rich quick scheme this isn't a you give to get but it's just a principle it just keeps happening you can't outgive god every time you give he's like oh you're faithful with a little i'm going to entrust you with even more and so we partner with him we partner with His church. And when we do that, God does supply all of our needs. Number two, then, not only is sacrifice a partnership, but then number two, sacrifice has a cost. It has a cost. How many of you as parents have ever done this? Your, your child is in trouble. They've definitely done something wrong, and you're going to punish them, but you actually give them a choice in what the punishment is going to be. Have you ever done that? Like you said, okay, uh, either you lose the Xbox for a week or you can't go to the party with your friends. Have you ever done something like that? Okay. Wise parents. Very good. Because you know what? God, God has done that before. King David one time, he, he is told by God not to do something. So what does David do? He does it. God's not happy about it. And he says, look, you're going to be punished, but I'm going to give you three choices of punishment. And he lays out these three different things. David decides, okay, the last one sounds like it's going to be the least impactful, so I choose that. And what he chose was that for three days, this nasty sickness, this nasty disease, was going to come upon all the people of the nation of Israel. It's like, all right, that sounds the best out of everything, so that's what I choose. Well, just one day into it, it is so bad, so many people are dying, that David's like, God, no, 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 whoa, whoa, this isn't fair. All these people are dying, they they have this sickness, they have this disease, it's all my fault. Punish me. Don't don't punish the people. Punish me, punish my family. Don't take it out on them. Well, just about that time, a prophet by the name of Gad comes to David and he says basically this, that, that God has heard your prayer. And here's what I or god wants you to do he wants you to go to the the threshing floor of this man by the name of aruna and there god wants you to offer up a sacrifice it's like all right i have got to do that so right away he sets out and he goes to the the, the threshing floor that, that aruna owns now let me put that into perspective for you what is a threshing floor it's basically this place where they would separate the grain from the husk so you would bring the harvest and 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 you need to get the grain out of it and so you put it there and it was this this uh this floor and you beat it with a stick basically and get the the grain and then you'd separate the grain from the husks and everything and so basically for aruna this is his place of business this is where he works and so david shows up to his workplace one day and aruna's like king what are you doing here? And David's like, I've come to, to buy your threshing floor. I need to make a sacrifice to God so that this terrible sickness, this disease, leaves our people and our land. And is like, my king, you don't have to buy it from me. You're my king. I would do anything for you. You can have my threshing floor. In fact, take all my lumber that I have here on my property and use that to make the fire. Take my oxen out in the field. Use them to, to offer up as the sacrifice. I want you to think about that from Aruna's standpoint. He is willing to, to sacrifice his livelihood, everything that he owns. Why? Because he loves his king and he wants to serve the king's people. And there's a lot that we personally can learn from that, right? That we should want to sacrifice anything in our lives for our king, Jesus, and sacrifice anything for the king's people. But as great as what that example is, David's example here is even better. Because look at what he says in 2 Samuel 24, 24. He's just offered to buy this from Aruna and Aruna said, no, you can have it all. And it says this, but David answered, no, I have to pay you what they're worth. I can't offer the Lord my God a sacrifice that I got for nothing. He says, I can't offer to God something that I've gotten for nothing. And so my question to you this morning is this, what does it cost you to give? What is the sacrifice that you're making in order to, to give to God? Specifically, we're talking about finances here this morning. What is it that you're having to sacrifice in order to make sure that you're not giving a God, uh, to God an offering that is basically nothing to you? For some of you that you know you're not tithing yet, and you're like, okay, I know I gotta start doing this. You know what your sacrifice may be? Cable TV. For some of you, you're paying the cable bill, but you're not paying God's bills. And we talked about last week. What 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 was the word? What's the best word in Malachi there? Not just that you're robbing God, but you're doing what? Extorting money from God. And what are you extorting money for? To pay the cable bill. For some of you, it may be your cell phone. Then instead of having a nice big smartphone, you gotta downgrade to a little flip phone. So you don't have that big old payment. For some of you, it may mean trading in your car, getting a much cheaper car because that car payment it's way too high. You're driving your tithe around. The money you've extorted from God. Me, me, you're driving around. Hey, look at me. God says, stop robbing me. Stop extorting from me. Give to me and I will bless you. Some of you, maybe Starbucks. Got to give up that coffee in the morning in order to give. What is it that you're giving us is costing you and here's the deal even if you're currently giving even if you're already tithing what is your giving costing you see god wants you to live with faith he wants you to have to trust him one day jesus was out and about and he's in the temple area and he notices that the offerings being taken and some of the religious leaders some some rich guys they're they're walking by the offering bucket and they're putting in large amounts of money and then jesus notices this little old widow woman. And she goes up and she puts in basically the equivalent of a couple pennies in our economy. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this to them in Mark 12 43 to 44. I tell you that this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Everyone else gave what they didn't need. But she is very poor and she gave everything that she had. Now she doesn't have a cent to live on that's faith that's a sacrifice when you're not giving out of the abundance that you have but you're literally giving something that you need it's to the point where you're like okay god i don't know how i'm going to pay the next bill but god i'm giving to you anyway because i want to be faithful and i'm going to trust that you're going to supply all of my needs now i've shared with you in the past about how hard it was what a stretch it was for me to begin tithing when Lisa and I were looking to get married and everything and we couldn't even afford to get married and to live and stuff and we're putting together the budget and I asked her the you know well what's this tithe thing and she's like well it's, you know giving 10 percent and I was like well we can't do that and she said no we we can't afford not to do that man I remember that first time I got a paycheck and I write that check out for 10 percent of my gross income and i drop it in the offering bucket as it comes by shaking like a leaf because i don't know how i'm going to pay my bills but yet i knew that god's word said that if i'll pay his bills he'll pay my bills and so i gave it and the next week it was the same thing it was like writing out that check all right god i'm trusting you here and i drop it in And I kept doing it week after week after week after week. Here's what I've never told you before. God's not a liar. God threw open the floodgates of heaven and he started pouring out so much blessing on us that we couldn't even contain it all. To the point that within a couple years, I was writing out a tithe check like it was nothing and dropping it in. Here's the problem with that. What was the word I just used? Nothing. It was nothing. And what did David say? I will not give to the Lord an offering that has cost me nothing. And so from that point on, Lisa and I started year after year to raise the amount that we give. 11% and then 12% and then 125 and then 13 and we kept raising it year after year after year after year. We finally got up to 20%. 20% of our gross income, we we're saying, God, here it is. We're giving it back to you. And here's the deal with that. God just kept giving more and more and more. We just kept giving and kept raising it. Now, when I moved here, I took a huge financial sacrifice to, to move here to start the church. Because we didn't have anything as a church, right? So I had to back that off. And so it went back down to about 17. But here's the deal. In the four years that we've been here, even though in the four years I've gotten a 2% pay increase in four-year period, we've kept... We're bumping it up again. In fact, just at the beginning of January here, I got online to the exponential site and raised our giving again. Why? Because it needs to cost me something. I don't want to have my my finances be a thing that I can just go on autopilot, not even have to think about it. I want to have faith and trust that that God, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, but you do. Now here's the deal. It's not about the percent. You you don't have to give the percentage that we give or anything like that. And I didn't tell you that story to to brag on us or anything. What I'm saying is God calls all of us to give sacrificially. Whether it's a couple percent or it's 99 percent. He just wants it to be a sacrifice for you. He wants you to have to have faith. He wants you to have to have trust. And so Lisa and I, we just keep giving more and more and more and more. Why do we do that? Because we want to honor God. We want to have our finances be a a faith issue and a trust issue. And here's the other reason. It's because I believe in you guys. I give to this church because I believe in you. Because you are the church and I believe in this church. I believe that God wants to use this church to do great things. To reach the people of Harrisburg. To reach the people of the world. And so I can't think of a better bill to pay than right here to you guys so that together we can go out and make a difference for Jesus and for his kingdom. Real quick as a little side note, parents, don't just give your kids like a dollar and say, oh, when the offering bucket comes by, you drop that in there because you're not teaching them anything. Here's what you need to teach them. Allow them to earn their own money and then teach them the tithe say all right you you got five bucks for this or you got you know ten bucks for your birthday or christmas or whatever ten percent of that we're, we're giving that to god teach them tithing when they're young teach them to honor god and have faith when they're young teach them what sacrifice is about when they're young so that way as they grow older it's just who they are it's what they do and the blessing of god will be on their finances all the days of their life unlike for some of us you know, there's times in life that I had and I know many of you had where you're like, okay, I'm uh, living paycheck to paycheck here. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You want God's blessing to be on your finances. All right. So, with all that being said, living as a slave, living a sacrificial lifestyle isn't easy. I mean, for Paul, it meant jail time. He was writing this from prison. But yet, Listen to what he says in Philippians 1, 12 to 14. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. See, Paul saw his sacrifice, Paul saw his imprisonment, not as an obstacle. He saw it as an opportunity. He's like, all right, there's a lot of other people that I've been able to tell about Jesus, but you know who doesn't know about Jesus? The people here in prison. So if it takes me getting locked up for a while so I can spread the gospel to them, I'm willing to sacrifice my life that way. And see, we need to be willing to do the same thing, that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what sacrifice we have to make, to look for the good in it, to look for the opportunity to say, okay, how can I use this opportunity right now? to glorify God and spread his kingdom message. Everything in our lives should be up for grabs. You see, here's what a definition of sacrifice could be. I should have put this on your outline. Sacrifice is giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. I say that again. Sacrifice is giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. Did Paul love freedom? Sure he did. But he loved Jesus even more. Did Paul love freedom? Yeah. But he loved sharing the gospel with people who had never heard it even more. See, the same thing has got to be true for your life. There's some things in your life that, yeah, you love it. But for Jesus, you should be willing to sacrifice it and give it up if he asks you to do that. I think that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16:24 when he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross. In other words, you sacrifice. And he says, and follow me. I mean, if that's not a description of what sacrifice is all about, I don't know what is. Jesus is saying, look, if you're not willing to live that out, to take up your cross daily and follow me, then don't kid yourself, you're not really one of my followers. You may say with your mouth that you're my follower. But in the end, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never really knew you. Got to learn to say no to ourselves and yes to him. And so I don't know what sacrifice God is asking you to make here today. But he's calling all of us to make some sort of sacrifice. Because again, sacrifice as a Christian is a part of our lifestyle. It's just who we are. So what what is it for you today? For some of you, it may be sacrificing one of your vacation weeks, saying, you know what, instead of going away to a a fancy place and getting pampered myself, I'm going to take that vacation week and instead I'm going to go into the foreign mission field and serve the hungry, the poor, the lonely, the lost. For some of you, your sacrifice is, well, you know, I can't go on that missions trip, but I'm going to sacrifice some of my own finances so that I can send somebody else on that kind of missions trip. For some of you, you know that it's time to start tithing, and God's asking you to to make a sacrifice. And only you know what sacrifices need to be made in your life in order to make sure that God gets the part that he's supposed to get. And what is that part? It's the very first, and it's the very best. So what is it for you? What is the sacrifice he's asking you to make Some of you got a lot of free time. He's asking you to sacrifice some of that free time to go downtown and to serve some people. For others of you, maybe what you need to sacrifice your own ego. Because you need some counseling for that addiction you have. Or you need some counseling for your marriage that's falling apart. And God's saying, lay your ego down on the altar. Sacrifice it and get the help that you need. Maybe for others of you, it's a hobby that you have. And you're giving all of your time to this hobby and God's just getting your leftovers. He's like, you need to be willing to sacrifice that and put me first. I'll wrap up today with this. i put it there on your outline. Faith is risky, but a lack of faith is deadly. Sacrifice requires faith. And it's risky. But a lack of faith, a lack of sacrifice is deadly. Not just here on this earth but for all of eternity. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together to worship you and to learn more about you and to look at how we can revolutionize our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that today as I've spoken about this topic of sacrifice, that your Holy Spirit has been speaking to the hearts and the minds of the people that are here. And that, Lord, as they've been feeling maybe a conviction about an area that they need to to sacrifice in, that, Lord, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word this morning, but we would be doers as well, that we would walk out of this place with a clear game plan of what is my next step that I have to take to be obedient to you, Jesus. Jesus, we know that your word says that if you love me, you will follow my commands. And so, Lord, we've talked about some of your commands here this morning. And again, I'm sure that your spirit has been revealing some of the other commands that I didn't even mention to people that are here today. And so, Lord, help us to demonstrate our love for you and to you by being obedient to you. Lord, give us that clear next step. Give us the, the courage to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us, God, to, to realize that we do need trust. We do need to have faith. And oftentimes that's going to require giving up something that we love for something that we love even more. And that is you, Jesus. So help us to be obedient. Help us to walk in your word. Help us to walk in your ways. Lord, most of all, as we talk about sacrifice, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you right now that you gave the ultimate sacrifice, the gift of your son. You gave up something that you loved, your life, for something that you loved even more, us, your people. So, Lord, help us never to take that for granted. Help us to realize that it's because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross that our sins can be forgiven, that we can even have the possibility of eternal life with you forever. And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't yet accepted that free gift of eternal life into their lives, the Lord, right there in their seats, they would just pray a simple prayer and admit their sins, admit their mistakes, say, Jesus, I've messed up. And I realize that without you, with, without the cross, without your shed blood, I don't deserve heaven. I deserve eternal punishment in a real place called hell. But Jesus, I believe in you, not just with my head, but I, I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead so that I could spend eternity with you forever. And Lord, I'm giving my, my whole life to you. Send your spirit to live in me, to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. Show me the path that you'd have me to go. Lord, thank you that you did that very thing for me almost 22 years ago now. That you've done that for many others. Lord, I pray that, again, if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't yet made that transaction with you, that, Lord, they would take that next step here today. And begin the wonderful journey that is being a follower of Jesus. Lord, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to try to outgive you. To try to outgive you, God, which I know in my own life I've never been able to do. And I pray others would receive that same kind of blessing. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen.